0: welcome to the Michigan Murders. I'm Laura.
1: And I'm Stephanie.
0: I was in Alaska, which is why we missed a week of posting. But <laughs> there's no way I could have recorded an episode from Alaska with you on a four hour difference time zone.
1: Yeah, that would have been
0: yeah.
1: a bit difficult. hmm. Unless you stayed up all night. Which we don't want that either. Well,
0: you would have to stay up all night.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because you're
0: four hours ahead of me.
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought it was opposite.
0: (laughs) No. So it would be uh, four o'clock there and then eight o'clock East Coast time. So. Oh, wow. By the time I was done with work there, because we worked until, you know, five o'clock at this thing we were doing. So, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have worked for you. Okay. Specifically,
1: yeah, like specifically you.
0: Specifically, you wouldn't wouldn't have worked for. <laughs> so just so you're aware, uh, I am still tired. It's that I, it was all nighter, so I left Alaska on a Friday night, and I got to the airport which was closest to me that I could get to Alaska, which is four hours away, and so I got back home around five on saturday and then i tried to stay up and then i just kind of slept all night until about ten, eleven o'clock sunday and and i'm still tired from the time change Ugh. i don't Felt. know why but so my uh my stuff's real short this week <laughs>
1: that's okay that's okay <laughs> So I have one that is about a Michigan couple, Carol Giles and Tim Collier. The Michigan police made a gruesome discovery in 1997 after they received a call to 911 from a group of fishermen who had been casting out some lines in Flint River. The fishermen had told the police that while they were walking down a trail toward the water, they saw a pile of blankets. Upon looking underneath the bedding, they ended up finding the bruised and bloodied body of a local waitress and nurse, Nancy Billiter. Oxygen did do a series called Killer Couples, um, which looks at the Billeter case, uncovering what she went through before her death. But according to this, investigators decided to interview Carol Giles, who ended up being Billiter's roommate, in order to learn more about her death. After the death of Carol's husband, Jesse, Billiter had moved in to Carol's home. Jesse had been almost 500 pounds and had had many health issues after suffering a stroke. He had also been diabetic and unfortunately died after suffering from a supposed supposed heart attack in September of 97. At that time... Billiter had offered to move in to help Carol look after her two children while she was able to work. Carol shared that she had seen Billiter earlier in the week and that her and her boyfriend, Tim Collier, uh, and Billiter had hung out on Tuesday night. Around 1.30 a.m., Billiter had reportedly left to go visit her mom. Carol was asked whether she thought it was normal that she had not come back home for many hours when she seemingly changed and grew evasive and a bit defensive at that point. She was taken in for further questioning. And then she'd revealed that she had not fully been honest. She had said that on the night of November 12th, her and Billiter had gotten into an argument. Um, And then after that, she had suspected Billiter of stealing some money from her. She did not believe Billiter's story that there had been a break-in while she was home watching the kids and that she had fabricated the story to cover it up. So I guess that's like what they'd gotten into an argument about. She is supposedly, because as we all know, this isn't, she's she been lying from the beginning. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that much is obvious. She can't seem to keep any, any story straight at all. Um, but she's claiming that Nancy... I couldn't think of her first name for a moment there. But that Nancy had stolen money from her. And that she had fabricated this story to cover it up. I don't... I don't think that's what's happened. Their argument had became physical. And... Collier allegedly hit her many times while brandishing a gun. She then tied her to a bed in the basement and continued to beat her up before apparently proceeding to smother her with a bleach soak towel.
0: Oh my gosh. Why does it have to be soaked in bleach? That's my question. Right. That doesn't seem like a spur of the moment, I'm going to smother you kind of.
1: No. Not at all. None of it just... Like, how would an argument turn into that? I just... I don't understand.
0: Yeah. There there was the case of the woman who found out her husband was molesting her daughter, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And so she boiled water and put sugar in it. And they said that was premeditation because she took the time to put the sugar in it and then do the act so i think this would also count as premeditation under that kind of same thought process because then even if it was heat of the moment fighting then she's taking a towel soaking it in bleach and then putting it over her face like she's gone out of her way to take steps
1: right what doesn't help is a lot of these articles use last names and like to just stick with last names. yeah Collier is the boyfriend. so Tim so she is saying basically that Tim and Nancy had gotten into the argument ah. and Tim suspected Nancy of doing it so she was just there which none of it none of that makes sense to me no. But then she had said that that's when Tim had tied her to the bed and continued to beat her before smothering her with a bleach-soaked towel. Oh, it was Tim did it. Okay. Yeah, Tim that did it. That's why I got a little confused, too, because of the last names. She said that she was horrified while Tim suffocated her to death, which obviously I'm- not. And according to her, he had made death threats against her if she had told anybody, supposedly. So to me, it's just like, it's looked like she's trying to throw him out.
0: Yeah, that's true. So maybe but by if, by her saying, I was horrified. She, yeah, yeah,
1: she may not have been. But if you can remember, her first husband died. Yeah.
0: But when you say he was 500 pounds. Yes. Supposed a heart attack. I Yeah, I think that would have flown under the radar. I don't know that the... Corner would be looking too closely.
1: Right. She had added that um, she was made to clean up the crime scene and that they had both dumped the body in Flint, that Tim had planned on burning the body, but the flames self-extinguished before it caught fire. She was placed in protective custody while police searched for Tim, who had told her that he would be laying low. Which... It's just, it's annoying. It's annoying. (laughs) Yeah. So, for Tim Collier's version of these events, it's obviously different than what Carol's said. According to Tim, he watched Carol use her late husband's insulin syringes to inject Nancy with battery acid. Oh. And that's when the acid started to destroy the syringes. And Carol used bleach, which, yikes. Yeah. He also added that Carol was the one who suffocated her with the bleach-soaked towel, which, of course, he did it. No, she did it. Tim also said that he did not carry out Nancy's murder, but admitted to being an accessory.
0: So it's a he-said-she-said situation. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: But upon searching Carol's home, investigators found evidence that supported both Carol and Tim's theories, which is weird. They found evidence of both sides. Hmm. So multiple syringes, blood spatter on the basement wall, a blood soaked mattress. And when Carol was brought in for questioning yet again, her story then started to crumble and she confessed that she had been killed as the couple suspected that she had overheard a conversation where they admitted to killing Jesse, her late husband. Hmm. So they were talking about the murder, and Nancy had seemingly heard them. Carol had begun having an affair with Tim after Jesse had the stroke, and so she was tired of taking care of her husband and used Jesse's syringe to inject him with an overdose of heroin instead of insulin.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. Which is insane.
0: Yeah. She had to go out of her way to, (laughs) well, I don't know if that was out of her way to buy heroin, but (laughs) right. I would guess. (laughs) But then of course,
1: Carol did say that Tim gave her the drugs. To do the crime. Ah. So, I did it, but he, he, he supplied me. Yeah.
0: She's not man, a drug, You know, I was
1: screwing behind my husband's back.
0: She doesn't buy drugs. She just kills people with Gets them. Gets them. Yeah.
1: From her boyfriend, who can supposedly just procure them at, like, the drop of a dime. Car- Carol and Tim were both charged with two counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Jesse and nancy they were both sentenced to life in prison without parole and there is the show killer couples that they are on that does air on thursdays on oxygen so if you do want to look it up that is what i have found in the article sounds like there might be more to it though but it's just quite intense and and the funny thing is is looking at the pictures of carol the girl's like Oh, I'm a nurse. I don't, you know, I didn't just procure these drugs. He he got them for me. But homegirl looks, I don't want to be judgy. <laughs> but she looks like she might be a user. Mm. Which makes me wonder if she just had it. Yeah. Who knows?
0: I'm kind of surprised she didn't try and go for like a insulin overdose or something.
1: You would think. I mean, I don't know.
0: Maybe she thought that would be too easy to track. So if she's like, hey, he had a stroke, he sleeps in another room. I didn't I didn't notice that his blood sugar I, was off kind of thing. I don't know. I think because of the fact that he
1: was 500 pounds, it probably made the death seem, oh, that's got to be natural.
0: Yeah. I think however he died, they probably wouldn't have looked into it too much. They'd have have gone, he's a 500-pound man that had a stroke. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Poor guy. Mine this week is, uh, like I said, a super short one. Just because I went out of state and I was very tired. So I want to talk about Ted Bundy's connections to Michigan. There were there were two specifically, and I think at this point we all know who Ted Bundy is
1: and what he did. I mean, and I don't. If, to... if you don't, if you don't. What are you listening to? Crime podcast? Yeah. <laughs>
0: You're listening to a murder podcast. I would definitely assume you've heard of Ted Bundy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we know that Bundy was mainly active in Western states like Colorado, Oregon, but. Bundy did eventually confess to 30 murders, I think it was, during the 1970s. And then one of those victims was Karen Campbell, 23, who was a Dearborn nurse. Bundy was kind of known to target women on college campuses or just by faking an injury to get their trust. He did that quite a few times. And according to the Crime Museum in Washington, D.C., once Bundy lured victims to his 1968 tan Volkswagen Beetle, he would immobilize them with handcuffs and force them into the vehicle. Bundy had removed the passenger seat and often stored it in the back seat or trunk, leaving an empty space on the floor for his victim to lie out of sight as he drove away. In 1975, Campbell was on vacation with her fiancé, a Farmington Hills doctor, at a ski resort in Snowmass Village, Colorado, near Aspen, when she disappeared after leaving the lobby. Her body was found a month later by the side of a dirt road just outside of town, and she had been beaten to death. In 1976, while Bundy was serving a term of up to 15 years in Utah State Prison for kidnapping a 17-year-old Utah woman, He was arrested for Campbell's murder. Authorities said Bundy had been suspected in the murder for a year. And he was charged in Campbell's death. But, if you remember, he escaped from jail in 1977 while awaiting trial.
1: Right. On January
0: 23rd, 1989, the day before Bundy's execution, Campbell's father, Robert Campbell, talked to the Free Press. He said... You never really forgive someone for something like that. You just try to put it behind you. The thing I'd like to have back, I can't have. And despite his daughter's death, Robert Campbell said he didn't feel strongly one way or the other when it came to capital punishment. He said, I'm not a vindictive person, but certainly you can't go around killing people. I suppose I approve of his execution reluctantly, but I don't think... Executing Bundy will be a deterrent. People will keep killing.
1: Aw. He seemed like a really nice guy.
0: Yeah. That's sad. The, the other Michigan connection, there's that Netflix documentary series, Conversations with a Killer. Mm-hmm. So when Bundy escaped from jail in Colorado on December 30th, 1977, it's apparently well known. I didn't know this part. That after he took a flight from Denver to Chicago, he hopped on a train to Ann Arbor. On January 2nd, 1978, he was in a bar in Ann Arbor to watch Washington play Michigan in the Rose Bowl. We, d- <laughs> we won't talk about that because Michigan lost. So we're going to skip over how the game went. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, one, we're talking about murder, two, they lost. So we're going to skip that. So part of that interview with him in the documentary, he talks about while he was in the bar, he apparently almost got his ass kicked <laughs> because of he was cheering for Washington and how the game was going. <laughs> um, so the way it was described, uh, this is the journalist kind of giving their their story of that. Their quote was: "He took the bus to Denver, got a flight to Chicago." In Chicago, he got an Amtrak train and went to Ann Arbor and was there to watch his alma mater, the University of Washington, play the University of Michigan in the Rose Bowl. He got drunk watching it in a college bar and almost got beat to shit by a bunch of Michigan fans. I mean, I, Which
1: would have made for a good story had they beat the shit out of
0: him. Right? Because you imagine? You're just like, I can like, help. Oh, yeah. We beat the I shit out that of that guy. I remember that guy. I beat the shit out of him. And... Like, it's not That even... would be bragging rights. Yeah. It was not even on. for being a creep to women, though. It was just... We, did... we didn't like at... who he was cheering for in this bar that night.
1: But it, w- it would have made for something going right that night. It but was, no. Yeah. Not only did we lose the game, you had to lose the chance to beat the shit out of Ted Bundy. <laughs> right? Damn it, guys. Get it
0: together. I mean... <laughs> I hope they at least scared him and made him pee a little bit, cause
1: <laughs> pee in his panties a little.
0: Yeah, if you're at a bar, surrounded by Michigan fans in Michigan. That would have been great, but alas, <laughs> alas. So that's all for me.
1: Oh.
0: I'm very Wake tired. Very,
1: <laughs> very ver tired. I'm, yes, very tired. I'm very tired. I'm gonna go to bed. Yes, understood. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Sorry for the crazy one. Be safe out there and watch out for the crazies.
0: Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The music titled Teller of the Tales was provided by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incomptag.filmmusic.io.